0: Hello and welcome to the Three Links Oddcast, your podcast for all things having to do with Odd Fellowship. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hello and welcome to the Three Links Oddcast. I am one of your hosts,
0: Insley Hylic, And I'm your other host, Toby Hansen, and this episode, it's just the two of us.
1: Just, just- the two of us.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. We're just hanging out here and uh, talking about Odd Fellowship this time. Uh, We had a guest from Europe that we've been working on getting scheduled, but we haven't been able to get the times worked out yet. The problem is that for some reason, Europe is nine hours ahead of the West Coast of North America, which presents some scheduling challenges. But we're working on that. So for now, we've got a great discussion for all of you out there. It's something that's come up to us recently. Uh, We've been getting a lot of emails here at the Three Links Oddcast from new members, uh, generally younger members who've joined a lodge and said, when I joined, I thought that I was going to be joining a group that was going to be active and do things, a group that was going to be open to new ideas. But what I got was five or six grumpy old men who sit around a table on Tuesday afternoon and complain about everything that I bring up to them now that I'm a member. And so we're going to be discussing whether or not our individual Odd Fellows Lodges are able to live up to the ideas that we sell on a national and international level. So to set the scene for everyone, we get inquiries here through the podcast, and Brother Ainsley, I know you do through the website. People yes. say, Hey, I've heard about the Odd Fellows, it sounds like a great group. Uh, what do you do, and how do I join? And so, when you get an email like that, Ainsley, where do you go from there? So, uh, generally,
1: what I will do is, um, first I gotta figure out where they're located at, and then from there, I um, will try to either If their jurisdiction has a website, I will provide them the link to the website, especially if there's a directory on it. And then I'll also copy paste if there's a contact page on it or um, the contact information to the grand secretary of the jurisdiction. And if I'm able to provide the information to a local lodge, I give them, you know, the Facebook, website link, Instagram link, anything that's available to that lodge, I will give it to them because I feel like if I can show a prospective person that lodge in their area is already up and running, got a lot going on, that's going to make them more interested in joining as opposed to just sending a link to the Grand Lodge. But if there's nothing to show, then I send them the, you know, the Grand Lodge information and then it's up to them from there to kind of follow up and get hold of, you know, whatever local lodge. So that's kind of the the two ways that inquiry goes. And obviously a lot of times I am kind of sending the, the people off blindly to find the lodge that I don't know if it's a good lodge or if there's, if it's active or if it is just the kind of kitchen table lodge that we We, you know, we've all, we all know about, we've all probably been to a couple of those meetings or maybe are a member of a lodge that is like that ourselves. Um, And I I hate knowing that that is probably one of the more common prospect that they're going to end up landing at is they're going to end up landing at probably a kitchen table lodge. If I'm unable to find any sort of online presence or contact information for them. So Does that what, make sense? It's like if there's nothing there, <clears throat> then I know probably then that that's
0: probably what's going to be landing at the other side. So what, what you're saying there basically is if there's a lodge that has a certain amount of presence on the Internet, you have a pretty good sense that it's going to be active and fairly welcoming to new members.
1: Yeah, and especially if their <clears throat> online presence is – somewhat frequently either being updated or if it's like a Facebook page and on the little, you know, where you could click to message the page and and it says generally responds in a few hours. I feel pretty good about that. But if it's like I find a Facebook page to the lodge and it's not been updated in like three or four years and that kind of lets me know that, okay, they probably had a member who was handling it and something happened and now nobody's taking care of it or if their website is very old and last time it was updated was years ago and it has like the officers listed from like 2011 and it's not been touched since then same thing it lets me know somebody tried to take this on as a project and then it got you know either fell by the wayside or abandoned or that member got frustrated and left and so that's another kind of little one of those little red flags i kind of keep an eye out for to kind of know what might be lying ahead for the interested person.
0: Okay. So that's, that's a a pretty good preview of what you expect from a lodge based on how active they are on social media, which is kind of a different topic uh, for later, but it does help your lodge to have some kind of a presence because this is the age when even if you're going to the store to buy something in person, most people still look it up online first. And so, mm-hmm. in the modern world of 2021, people are looking up Odd Fellowship online first before they're going to join. So, that is a reminder to all lodges if you have a web page or a Facebook page or uh, an Instagram feed, make sure you keep those things regularly updated so people in the world know that you are alive Uh, because it's the it's a good analogy is if you have a building in the middle of town that looks dingy and run down and abandoned and there are only people there twice a month nobody's going to think that is an active group that they should join which brings us to what happens when these people contact you they say hey this sounds good I want to join. So one of the questions that comes up is what do odd fellows do? And so what do you share with them? What do you tell people who email you and ask what we do? So I have kind of like the shorter
1: elevator speech, which is pretty much taken verbatim off the website, you know, saying that we're a, we're a co-ed international fraternal organization that, We have different aspects that can be different needs fulfilled for you. So if you're looking for a social group, we can fill that need. If you're looking for a charitable organization for, you know, something that your job requires you to have for hours, we can do that. If you are just looking to get more involved in your community and you don't know how to help, but you just want to give back, we can do that. There's so many things we are that it's, You know, it's almost like depending on the person is what I provide them as information. Um, And then the 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 quickest way I could provide it is just kind of tell them that it's a group, kind of like you know, I ask them like, were you were you in Scouts growing up? It's kind of like that, but for grown ups. It's kind of something that is a structured socialization that provides a space for you to work on being a better person and practice those skills. And be able to use those out into the real world, but it's a safe structured way to hone that new ability and then practice that as yourself. If that, if that makes sense, it's kind of like a, a practice space to be a better person.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. And I yep. think that's a, a good way of approaching what we do as odd fellows. Cause one of the challenges When you're trying to describe a large international organization with 600,000 members is to encapsulate it into something that is really quick and easy to tell people. I had this challenge recently because um, my associate lodge, Buckley Number 75, uh, we do a booth at the Buckley Log Show. Well, normally that is in June and I'm unable to participate because I'm usually at Grand Lodge. Well, this year, because it was in September, uh, I got to participate for the first time ever. And it was one of the only times when I had the experience of sitting in a chair at a booth and having people passively walk up, look at things and say, oh, the Oddfellows, what do they do? And so I had to very quickly figure out how to capture enough of their interest in 30 seconds to keep them talking and asking questions. And so what I what I decided on after the first couple of awkward interactions where I said, um, we're like a club and we like uh, do stuff and things. So I said, okay, here's <laughs> what we do, <laughs> three things. We do good things for our members. We do good things for the community and we do good things for ourselves. So, you know, that's basically what it is. You know, good things for our members. Um, at Buckley, we have the Members Benevolent Fund so that if a member uh, falls on hard times or has a particular challenge, we will help them out. Uh, it's actually something uh, that I copied from the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. Shout out to Justin Bailey there back in PA. And uh, I, I got that idea from them. And then uh, the good things that we do for our community, Uh, Buckley is a great lodge for supporting its community events and donating time and money to things. You know, we always support our food bank, our clothing bank, um, you know, various things that the Chamber of Commerce does. Over the summer, there was a private fundraiser uh, to raise money for skateboard and bicycle helmets for kids in town because uh, there was a young boy he was eight or nine years old i think he was skating at the skate park in buckley and he fell and injured himself and it turned out to be a fatal injury and so his parents raised money to get some more helmets for the kids and we went down and gave him 500 bucks for that wonderful So, so being a part of the lodge means you get to be part of those things And then of course we do great things for ourselves. Uh, We have fun, we do social events. The social events we've not been able to do many of during the pandemic because things like our German dinner or our watermelon social and things, we haven't been able to do those. But by encapsulating it in those things, we do good for our members, we do good for our community, uh, and we do good for ourselves and have fun with social events. That gives people an idea that they can then latch onto. But here's where it breaks down. Now, you manage the IOOF.org website. So you get the inquiries from the random people who've seen American Pickers or (laughs) they've seen some other basic cable TV show. And they go, oh, The Odd Fellows. I should find out more about that. They look it up. They read the website. And they go, oh. I need more information. I need to find out about this. I find this sometimes because I'm one of the moderators of the IOF subreddit on Reddit. And people will post on there saying, hey, I need this or I need that. uh, Or what do I do about this situation? Or how can I find a lodge?" So you and I get a lot of these inquiries from people. They say, hey, I want to join. This is great. We tell them the theory of what Odd Fellowship is supposed to be and what they should expect from the Lodge. But it doesn't always turn out that way because then you and I each get the emails that go something like this. They say, I've tried contacting my local Lodge 18 times and got no (laughs) answer. Do they really want new members? Or um, I've tried contacting the Grand Secretary whose contact information gave me the phone number is no longer good and there's no answer on the email or I was fortunate enough to join a local lodge and I was expecting that I would come in and be able to offer some new ideas and offer some things to do. And they told me everything that I tried to do was wrong or bad. And they said every suggestion is terrible. And they tried it in the 1970s and it failed. So just sit down, shut up, and eat cake.
1: (laughs) Or whatever ice cream social item is brought for the day.
0: (laughs) Martha Um, from the Rebecca's brought us cookies and we've still got some in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) And I I do feel like
1: that is kind of the like two months, three months later follow-up message that does happen way too often, sadly. And um, I I had actually a good conversation with uh, Brother uh, Wilbur about this. We were texting a little bit uh, the other day about it, about how uh, learning the fine art of the negotiation with the older Lodge members and how that's something that all of us younger generation members have had to learn. The Oftentimes the hard way is you join the lodge, you um, are just bright eyed, bushy tailed and you're like, this is the coolest thing. I yes. get it. <laughs> like you're just so enthusiastic. And then it's like the members are just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now calm down now. <laughs> let's bring it down a notch and then you kind of get a little bit deflated or a little bit kind of upset because they're tempering your enthusiasm and why wouldn't they want to temper your why would they want to dull the excitement you have but really it's you know you just have to find a new approach and learning how to like it's almost like a like a dance you don't want to come on too strong and scare them away and you have to kind of kind of approach a little gently sometimes and bring it up in a way that's not to you guys have been doing this wrong and i'm here and i see what you've been doing wrong and i'm here to fix it all and that that kind of turns off a lot of people very quickly so learning the the negotiation dance and the right steps to take and that's something that I feel like is one of the first big lessons of odd fellowship. That is like a lesson that is not an official lesson, but I feel like a lot of us have had to learn that
0: the hard way. I think you're absolutely right there. Cause here's what happens. A new member comes along, you know, someone uh, and I wish brother Christopher would have been able to join us uh, for this episode because his introduction to odd fellowship was very much trying to join a certain other fraternal order that saw this guy show up with tattoos on his arm and said no way. You know, mm-hmm. move along, don't need you here. And so he later he finds his way to the Odd Fellows Hall. He's like, "What is this?" And they said, "Hey, you know, come on upstairs and we'll tell you about it." And so he sat down, he watched the video, and they said, "Congratulations. Now you're an Odd Fellow." And he's like, "Okay, so let's start doing some stuff." So when you join, you go through this fantastic form of initiation, which usually hopefully is acted out with all of the parts really done well, but sometimes we have to compromise. And so we'll show the video and then teach the unwritten work to the candidates. So you get this brand new candidate who says, wow, I'm so excited. I am part of this big, important, meaningful organization. And now I wanna do things. That is where the culture clash comes in. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at it from the viewpoint of someone who's just joined, here's this organization that nobody knew about and now he or she has just joined and it's this big secret that has been revealed Mm -hmm. to him. And you know, here are all these signs and symbols they saw but never realized were meaningful before. And they're into this whole new world and they see this lodge where it looks like nothing has been going on for a long time and they go, oh, I can do so much here, I'm what they've needed for the last 30 years, and I'm ready to jump in and do it. Okay, so that's one side of it. The other side is you've got Brother Mel, and he has been keeping this lodge alive for 35 years. The entire lodge is run out of a briefcase. They've got it down to a science now where none of them has to work too hard. And on good nights, they get seven members out to a meeting and uh, that's when Tony is in town and he's not uh, spending the winter down in Florida, visiting his grandkids. And they've got this lodge to a place where it is surviving with very little effort and any changes you want to make may possibly help that lodge grow but growth is actually kind of a scary prospect because growth means change. It means more work for the members who've already put in the effort to keep the Lodge from dying for the last 35 years. And in many cases, those members, like Brother Mel and Brother Tony, they've got it down to a science where they don't want anyone to come along and upset the apple cart because having to fill out an eighth membership card every year when they pay their dues, it's a little too much work. So you've got this cultural clash that happens when these new members come in. And that's, that's really one of the biggest challenges that we have as an organization. How can we mediate that so that on the one hand, new members who join, really do feel like they are valued and appreciated by that lodge. But the members who've been there for 30 years and seen the new members come in, get interested, and then go away six months later, and all the extra work that they created now falls back on the shoulders of these guys who've been running the lodge on a shoestring for 35 years. How can we get those two sides to come together? Because there are people interested we hear about it all of the time from the podcast through instagram through reddit through the website on facebook there are a lot of people out there especially younger people under 30. they are looking for something and they want to be a part of it and they want something meaningful odd fellowship is one of the most meaningful things they can do but then <laughs> When they join you know, Grumpy Springs Lodge number 38 in Grumpy Springs, Arkansas, they find out that it's five grumpy old men sitting around the table complaining about these newfangled typewriters and how nobody writes longhand anymore. And that is not the experience that a lot of people are looking for. So what can we do as an organization to help ease that cultural clash that happens when new people join these lodges.
1: Um, Of course, that's the million dollar question. I mean, we could give you, you know, we could give a million tips of what we do and strategies that work in group settings, but ultimately it, what it comes down to is the willingness of both parties to meet in the middle and come up with some sort of path forward. And, if uh, brother, I love how we use communication committee members for these these supposed names. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, if brother Mel, uh, <laughs> no relation yeah, to other brother Mel. You're not supposed Mels, to give it away. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if, if hypothetical brother Mel has everything down to science and there's this one new member, I could also see how brother Mel is afraid to be like, well, I don't want to do too many changes too quickly because this is just one new person. If this one new person brought in enough new people that could take over the position, I'd be a little bit more willing to be a little bit more able to hand off things and teach people how to do it the right way. But if this is just one new person and then they're just going to quit after a year because they're just going to get bored and go away, why am I going to bother doing anything differently because this happened 10 years ago when neighbor Joe joined and had newfangled ideas and then we tried to do things differently and got him through the degrees and then he just never came back anyway and we invested all this energy on this member that ended up not working out so there's definitely a lot of learning to see from other perspectives of the people who and I'm guilty of having to learn this lesson which is why I'm able to probably have two way too many things to say about it because i i have also had to learn that just because we see it a new way from the people that have been here for 40 50 60 70 years doesn't mean that the way they've seen it for those many decades is is wrong or they're also they're the ones who've held it together through the mean hard times and they've stayed a member through the mean hard times to keep that lodge alive and we can't just come in and dismiss it and tell them that, you know, basically insult the member, which I feel like it's not a direct insult, but it's definitely a lot of ego based um, protection going on with the lodges that have this issue where the older members just will not budge on, on a thing. And whenever you approach it from, you know, coming alongside of them as opposed to directly opposing them, that uh, that pivot of what can we do instead of this is what we should do. That that first approach is, you know, step one, I, I believe, in using a different type of approach and be side by side with that lodge, not confrontation direction. And that alone is going to Get a lot further until you hit the next kind of hurdle in getting things done, but at least to get their ears and minds open to the approach—that's
0: the first step. And you know, you brought up some really great stuff in there. The thing that I tell people who email me um, now that I've become some sort of an Oddfellows Oracle or something of that sort—I <laughs> tell them, you you're, have- "You're the Oddfellows Oracle of the Northwest." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have Jeff Mann's email address, and that alone makes me important. <laughs> but the thing that I tell people uh, who are having this culture clash in their lodges I said, you have to be patient and understanding because you are joining a group, and it's not just the group in the general sense that we belong to the IOOF and we do things in accordance with the code of general laws okay you know that's that's us that's what we do you're joining a specific group of people that has a specific culture and that's where a lot of the challenge comes in because if that specific culture is Uh, a lodge in farm country where they meet twice a month and uh, it's a bunch of crusty old farmers who come in and they do excellent odd fellowship, but they don't really want anything that's going to disturb their way of going to lodge and then going home afterwards and eating pie. If you're someone new to the area who just moved out there and said, Oh, I'm going to join the lodge and make all these new friends. You're going to run into that culture clash And so it takes a lot of patience and understanding. You know, I like to tell the people who join, I said, give it a year, you know, go to the meetings, observe the way things are done now. Now, Anyone who's worked in a job where the new boss comes in and they decide I have to show I'm boss by making all kinds of changes, you know how annoying that is. You've got your system worked out for how you're filing your TPS reports And then the new guy comes in and says, oh, I want it completely different. Okay, you're like, why are you ruining my way of life? You know, this is my work life that I've figured out after 17 years on the job. Why are you changing it now? Okay, the same thing is true of joining a lodge. When you are a new member coming in and joining a lodge, you are entering into this culture that has developed amongst this group of people. And one of the challenges is when you get a very small group of people who's been together for a long time, the culture becomes highly concentrated. It's like drinking the orange juice concentrate straight from the cardboard tube. <laughs> the Donald Duck. It is really thick and is really syrupy. And you're like, oh, this is too much. That's what happens when you're the new guy who jumps into a lodge. You got to figure out what's going on there and you got to kind of learn the people and give them a chance to learn who you are and what you want to do. After you've had some time to acclimate to them, then you can start to say, Hey, I got an idea. I see that we are here on the main road in town, but we're not really interacting with anybody around us. What if we have a social night? where we invite all the other business owners to come to the lodge and have ice cream? Or what if we do something, you know, let's go down to the art walk and hand out bottles of water on the hot, the really hot nights. Or what if we go to the farmer's market and set up a booth there and pass out brochures about the lodge? Any number of things. Here's a great idea. Um, that I got from the jurisdiction of Idaho, the lodge in Wendell, Idaho. uh, They're small and they're really trying hard to reach out to their community. So they got a bunch of these child ID kits. They go to the town festival and they say, hey, you know, fill this out, get all the information written down in one place so you've got it so that in the event of something bad happening, you can tell the authorities right away all the information about your child. Okay, it's kind of a grim possibility, but it's a very helpful way for the lodge to let the community know that they are there and open to them. So if you want to introduce some kind of new idea to this lodge, I can almost guarantee it's not going to be successful if you show up at your second meeting after initiation and say, hey, all you old farts, you're doing everything wrong. I've got the answer here. And this is what we need to do. And you need to vote 500 bucks so I can go do it. That is almost guaranteed to have a negative response. Yeah, I I
1: definitely agree. I think there are a lot of ways approach, you know, back to the whole approach thing. Don't, you know, like, don't whip out your biggest, most, you know, earth shattering idea right out the gate either. You know, Start start, start with something a little more... Uh, bite-sized that is easy cheap or free that can be something novel to the lodge that they may not have tried before or haven't done in a long time and usually those are the easiest ones to kind of get through is if it's if it's easy requires little effort on the part of the members and something that can you know you could have a proof of concept with it where you could show that by doing it, there can be a result. So that that could be any number of things like uh, doing a garbage pickup on the highway, signing up for your Adopt-A-Highway. Um, a number of lodges do that. Uh, stuff like that, that is very easy to implement that gets the name out there gets eyes on the name and it doesn't require a lot of effort on the lodge as well, you know, to do a garbage pickup, you know, two to four times a year along the main drag through town or wherever you sign up for your adopt a highway at little things like that make a big difference. And those are good kind of get your foot in the door ideas to really start getting the lodge active again.
0: Now on the other side of this, let's say, your brother Mel, and no, Mel Astrahan, this is not <laughs> specifically based on you because I know that you have a very active and engaging lodge there in California. But going Hypothetical to, Mel. <laughs> yeah, going back to uh, the hypothetical brother Mel in Grumpy Springs, Arkansas. If you are that older member, take a moment and think about what Odd Fellowship was like when you joined. We have an absolutely wonderful member here in Washington, Butch Wrighton. And he is about as pedigreed an odd fellow as you could possibly be. His father was a grandmaster, he was a grandmaster, his son was a grandmaster. And he has all these wonderful stories about when he joined the lodge. Um, He put in an application back in the 1950s, and then he did the interview and then he was contacted by the secretary who said, show up at the Odd Fellows Hall at this time on this date and you'll be initiated. And he did and he went through the initiation and then was immediately dismissed and told, come back next week at the same time and we'll give you your first degree. And in those days, you had that gradual process to work your way into a lodge where you didn't just get initiated and dumped onto the floor in a white collar and said, okay, you're an odd fellow now, Uh, join the lodge. You had to get initiated, and then you had to do your three degrees before you could become a full member of the lodge. So there was that work that had to be done where you got a gradual process of learning your way into the lodge. So by the time you had taken your third degree and you had learned everything there was to learn about the organization, and you had frankly learned a lot about the brothers who had just put on the degrees for you. You know, you're remembering all your stuff for the degrees and the handshakes and grips and signs and passwords and Fido quit monkeying around and all of the other (laughs) things you already had a basis from which you could start interacting. And also in those days, the lodges were a lot more active. We're having the lodge potluck with the Rebecca's on Saturday afternoon, following the high school basketball game. Everybody show up at the lodge hall at five thirty with a casserole to share. And so you're doing all of those social things outside of the lodge where you're also meeting people and getting to know about who they are and what they do. So working your way into the lodge, when Brother Mel in Grumpy Springs, Arkansas, not the one in California, (laughs) when he joined way back when, it was a different, slower process where you got a gradual introduction. Now the other thing to keep in mind for these older members is, Use the opportunity for these new members, because this is what we've all said we want. Yeah, we want new members. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, we've got someone here after us to sweep up the hall and lock it up at the end of the night and uh, do all the stuff that needs to be done, paying the property taxes and filing the annual reports. So you have been given this gift. You're an older, long-time member, and you've been praying for new members, you know, we need people to walk in the door. And when one finally does, you need to treat that new member like they are a priority, like they are something important for your lodge. You know, the district deputy is coming to our meeting uh, next month on the second Wednesday. That's great, let's sit in lodge under good of the order talk to the new member and say, hey, this is why it's important that the district deputy is coming. This is what they do for our lodge. This is what they do for the Grand Lodge. Uh, They're sort of our conduit up to the organization at the next level. And so this is a good person you'll wanna meet. Uh, Try and be here for that meeting. Make sure that if you are one of those older members who is sitting there complaining because the new guy brought in an idea make sure you're giving that idea a fair chance. Make sure you are evaluating it fairly and not just dismissing it because it's something that's going to be new or creative or something that's going to be, you know, a burden that you might have to work on. Because if you get these new people in the lodge, you actually want that. You want people to feel like their ideas are valuable like they are being listened to, like they have a positive and meaningful connection to your lodge, because that is what keeps people coming back. It's not paying dues. It's not observing parliamentary procedure properly. It's feeling like there's a connection. That is what binds people together in Odd Fellowship.
1: I think there's another thing too that will keep people coming back if it's a lodge that is a... You know, might be a kitchen table lodge or might, you know, just kind of be limping along and is the members that see the potential that is in that lodge. And even though lodge in that moment might not be the experience that they're hoping to have, they could see they could see the little bit of uh, shine underneath the, the dusty exterior there just underneath there kind of glinting through, they, they see the potential that is there that with a little bit of elbow grease and a little bit of time and love that they could
0: rebuild that lodge and that it isn't a total lost cause. I think that's a great idea. And let's talk some more about that after this wonderful message from our sponsor, Pig and a Pug Bath Stuff. You know, fall is here and winter's coming soon. It's the kind of time of year that you think ah wouldn't a warm cozy bath be good right now well yes it would and if you're going to bathe you're going to want some stuff from pig and pug bath stuff so we'll be back right after this important message from pig and pug
2: hi you know the crazy lady outside the coffee shop The one who screams at everyone who walks by about how the Church of Scientology controls the price of avocados. Well, can you remember how she smells? If you're using store-bought soaps, that's probably how you smell right now. I know what you're thinking. Is this why my last girlfriend left me? Well, that's a complex issue that maybe we'll get into some other time. Where was I? Oh, yes. Pig and a pug. Founded in the year 1981, they have been supplying soaps, candles, and assorted bath products the world over, basically since Moses wore short pants. Not only do I record the commercials, but I'm also one of the converted. Their sandalwood, hot-processed soaps have made my scaly, lizard-like skin feel silky like the finest mashed potatoes that you've ever had. For listeners of this podcast and this podcast only, Pig and a Pug have extended to you a special 24% off coupon to be used on Etsy. Just use the code THANKYOU24 at checkout and you're on your way. Look them up on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy. Also, select retail merchants. Pig and a Pug, Pig and a Pug, Pig and a Pug.
0: All right, we're back. Thank you very much to Pig and a Pug Bath Stuff. Uh, they do a great job uh, with all of their custom soaps. Remember, you can find them on Facebook and on Etsy. Just search Pig and a Pug. Now, before we get back to what you were talking about, uh, about the members who see the potential in Odd Fellowship, let's do our Lodge shout-out for this episode. Woohoo! woo now there was something that uh, I know caught your eye on Instagram, and I saw it too. Yes, and that is the excellent display that was put on by Fort Worth Lodge Number Two Fifty One, deep in the heart of Texas. So uh, you you saw the pictures on Instagram. What can you tell us about what that lodge did? So I was doing my every day or so scroll,
1: you know, of the Instagram through the Oddfellows tags and everything, and. I came across a lovely display with um, of Oddfellows regalia of historic stuff, uh, p- patriarchs you un- know, militant uniform, uh, some really nice collars. And um, they had made a display because uh, 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 it was at the uh, I totally forgot to mention. where it was that? It was at the Texas State Fair or is it State Fair of Texas? What's the proper state name? fair of Texas? Thank you. It was at the State Fair, of Texas. And so as uh, state fairs, they do collection exhibits that get ribbons. And so the lodge had put together an exhibit of their items that they had, and it won some ribbons and they were obviously very proud of that. So they posted the pictures of the historic item display with the ribbons all over.
0: Yeah. And if you've not seen this, go on Instagram Uh, and look up odd FTW. Uh, I think that's their Instagram screen name there, odd underscore FTW, because these displays are really, really fantastic. And it's such a brilliant idea. I had not thought, and nobody I know has thought of the idea of doing a display at the state fair or even at your local county fair. That is such a fantastic idea. It is so creative and it uses one of the best things we have as Oddfellows, which is all of our wonderful eye candy.
1: Yes. And it goes into that kind of category of, of easy, cheap, and free where, you know, whatever the fee to entry fee for your item at the fair and whatever form that has to be filled out. And then beyond that, every lodge is chock full of some eye candy you know i'm sure there's some good old collars lying about or a, a jewel a vice grand jewel of silver plate from 1882 or some things of interest that you could put on display and if there's a county fair or a 4-h fair or anything like that you know it's or even if there's a street fair going on you know we in my little town we had a street fair um, just this weekend and the booth set up right across uh, from my shop was the vfw and you know same thing you know they had the flags out and they had their garrison caps on with their pins all over and the banner set up and people were walking by and answering questions and chit-chatting and just making that connection and just letting people know, hey, we're here,
0: we're we're still existing. So, and that is such a brilliant and creative idea. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's got to be our lot shout out. So big props going out to Fort Worth Two Fifty One in Texas. Uh, you brothers and sisters are doing some fantastic work, and we are all really proud of you. Now for those of you listening to this podcast thinking hey I know of a lodge encampment Canton Rebecca Lodge etc that's doing really great work and I want to get them recognized tell us about it we love getting your suggestions we love getting your emails um, and any good recipes that you have just send them our way you know <laughs> we both like to eat here I know Everybody the other likes co-hosts as well they they like to eat too. You can email us the number three links oddcast at gmail.com. Now, unlike the website URL, it is actually the numeral, the Arabic numeral three links oddcast instead of the word T-H-R-E-E. So just send us an email, hit us up, let us know what's going on with lodges in your area, and we will happily spread the word of what they are doing here on the podcast. So, getting back to your suggestion, uh, Ainsley, before the break, uh, you brought up the kind of member who sees all the wonderful stuff of Odd Fellowship of the past, and I have to say, i I am definitely seduced by that idea of how wonderful Odd Fellowship was a hundred years ago. And that member wants to rebuild that. They see the potential in it now, and they see how great it was, and they see the wonderful things that happened. And they say, I want to be a part of that. And then they join their local lodge. And then what happens? And then... (laughs) So then they get in
1: there, and then it's like they have this idea of like this Victorian grandeur, and then it ends up being more like 1950s wood paneling. And... (laughs) (laughs) They get, the, they get that version of Odd Fellowship, which is not what they were hoping for. But they still can look around the room and they see, I see that charter over there. I see this chart with the symbols on it over here. There's these old trivets hanging over here. And then, you know, past Grand Mel takes you over to the closet. And he's like, oh, well... If you like this stuff on the wall you might like some of this crap in here we've not been in here best around in here it's a big old mess but you know take a look and then they open the door real quick and it's like something out of indiana jones and you get this little peek into the back room where all the junk is the big air quote junk and you're like oh my god this is magic and then they shut the door real quick on you. <laughs> and then what you need to do is you need to start kind of And I feel like Sergio has had this experience where you got to, you want to get back in there. You want to start digging through and organizing and discovering the treasure hunt of it. But you have to first earn the trust enough of the members to let you go digging because they don't really know what's in there. They don't really care what's in there, but they know you seem a little too interested about what's in there. So now they're a little nervous about it. So you have to kind of, you know, ease your way into their hearts and let them know you're not trying to steal it all to sell on the internet or whatever. That you're just trying to discover your, you know, what you got yourself into, and you want to kind of air it all out and get, you know, learn. You just want to learn, and you're hungry. And it's, it's. I, I feel like definitely a lot of members hit that wall a lot too, where they 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 want to kind of dress the lodge up a little bit more they want to take all this stuff out of the closet and hang it up put it on display and just make everything be you know a little house proud and and a lot of times i feel like you gotta you gotta kind of earn your way into the hearts to be able to get into the little back room so you can start playing with all the cool stuff that's sitting on a shelf covered under three inches of dust so you're like take down this old plaque and he it off and it's like, Oh, look here, look at this silk banner for the lodge. That was a parade banner. We should hang this up instead of having it crammed in the back of the closet, rolled up stuff like that. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we should hang that up. Oh yeah. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, that old thing is, and then if you're like, Oh, well, I'll put it in a frame or I'll mount it better. So it's not falling apart. Oh yeah. 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 That maybe that is a good idea. Just little, little baby steps, baby steps. That, that seems to be the magic way to go.
0: I'm going to brag about one of our lodges here in Washington because I think you you brought up a really great point about that. Des Moines Lodge 305 here in Washington, there was a time in the last 20 years where they were down to just a few members and they were literally like maybe weeks away from giving up their charter. And they just happened to attract uh, enough of the right kind of people to the lodge to keep it going and make it functional and to make it prosperous. One of the great things that that lodge has done is recognize the value of their history in attracting interest in their community. So they, they had a whole bunch of pictures of past grands of the lodge and they spent the money to actually have them framed Uh, with nice matting around them and plaques identifying who they are and what years they served. And anyone who comes in and rents that building and sees that picture immediately gets the impression that, oh, this is an organization with continuity and it's an organization that realizes how important it is to that community because they have invested in showcasing their history. And Des Moines has done a lot of wonderful things like that uh, to really invest in their, their lodge hall um, in the presentation, preserving some great things that they have, um, you know, hanging old charters up on the wall so that people who come into that building see that it's an important and vital organization. And they can be impressed by that because we have a lot of impressive stuff here. But what it takes to be able to pull that off is you have to overcome another one of those cultural schisms that tends to exist between new members and longtime members. I don't want to call them old members, so we'll call them longtime members. (laughs) Okay. So new member comes in, um, and let's call him Brother Brad. Brother Brad comes in. He was just initiated. uh, He went to the degree day uh, over at Grumpy Springs Lodge, number 38. And he's new there in uh, his home lodge. And he comes in and he's looking around. He's going, wow, we got a lot of cool stuff here. Um, Why don't we wear those collars in the meeting? Why are we putting on chains? Why don't we do the stuff like it says in the ritual book? Why are we just skipping things and why aren't we walking the square corners in lodge and why aren't we doing this and why aren't we doing that and if you're the long-time member you're like oh we used to do that and it was fun but you know with so few members we just kind of started skipping things and it became expedient and you know we didn't always want to pull the collars out for meetings and the old-time members For many of them, Lodge has become something they've done for so long that they want it to be as expedient as possible with as little floor work, as little meaning and as little pageantry, shall we say, as possible. Whereas the new members who come in and they see all of this cool stuff and they think, hey, I want to be a part of that. The old-time members say, you don't want to be a part of that, kid. It was not as much fun as you think it was. like, no, no, really, I want to be a part of that. I want to wear that beautiful collar. I will even dress up and wear a nice shirt to lodge just so I can put that beautiful embroidered velvet collar on and feel like I am a part of something that has been going on for 200 years. And the older members are like, get out of here, kid. You bother us. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's it's like you said, we're no longer going to have pie and ice cream after the meetings. Oh, no, that's not Odd Fellowship anymore. <laughs> you can have meetings without pie and ice cream afterwards. You can also have meetings that have the full ceremony, that have all of the pageantry, that have the floor work, that have the regalia. We have these wonderful resources in our lodges, And we can attract people and we can keep them engaged by saying here in the lodge room is the place where, first of all, you are valued because you are a member. And number two, your input is valued because we're going to give you a taste of the traditional odd fellowship we grew up on and have just sort of let float away into the air because we've wanted to make everything expedient. For so many people who are joining nowadays, they are awash in expedience. You know, you don't even have to leave the house if you want your pad-tie delivered. You know, you just go on your app and it shows up at your doorstep 45 minutes later. Everything in life is expedient now, but the thing that is lacking is that kind of slow, deliberate, meaningful element where so many people are just in these nameless faceless jobs where they could be replaced by someone on the other side of the globe for half of the money and they really want to do something that is meaningful and here we are as odd fellows going yeah we could be meaningful but that's a little bit too much work for us so we're going to put on chains skip most of the ritual and vote to pay bills and then close up the lodge and eat ice cream that is not the experience that most of the people who are joining are looking for. They are looking for the pageantry. They are looking for the full regalia. They are looking for degree work. They want those things. And it it's so sad when I hear longtime members say, well, we just don't do that anymore. Nobody has the time or the patience for it. Yes, they do. They want to do that. And, you know, nothing is as impressive to a candidate as when the lodge comes together and everybody puts on the robe and everybody does the degree. You know, these 10 people gather in this sacred space of odd fellowship and they make that degree come alive and they immerse the candidate in the experience of the teachings of that degree that is something that is priceless and it creates this really serious, meaningful bond between that new member and the lodge. Whereas how many of us have gone to work and had to sit through another 20 minute safety training video, please do not (laughs) put your hand in the slicer. It is bad for the slicer and bad for your hand. And we just kind of watch it and go, Oh, whatever. You know, I understand that there are times when we need to do the degrees. And uh, like during the pandemic, we have been putting on socially distanced degrees here in Washington where we show the video and then we we give the unwritten work to the candidates. But when it's possible to do so, we need to do those full degrees and we need to hold our meetings with the full regalia and ceremony because that is what is engaging for so many people they want to be a part of that and yet here we are so often just throwing that away going oh no none of this matters put on the chain the meeting will be done in a half hour and then we eat ice cream and complain about our wives who are rebecca's it's
1: a it's kind of like uh advertising as a dinner theater and then they come And then there's actually the theater portion has been canceled and the dinner portion is actually just going to be some fast food that we uh, catered in. Yeah. Hey, you're going to sit sit in this grand hall (laughs) and, and we'll, you know, talk about how like the theater part of the dinner theater used to be good, but not anymore. And (laughs)
0: <laughs> we we got to make sure we're,
1: you know, what we're selling to people is what we're providing is, I guess, what it comes down to.
0: And, you know, that right there is the whole essence of this episode of the podcast. We got to make sure that what we're selling to people, when we tell potential members, we're this large international fraternal order. Um, we do these meaningful things. We have our own philosophy about things we have our own uh martyrs and we have our own um prophets and we have all of our own important peoples our own founding fathers we have all of this stuff and then you show up to a lodge meeting and it's like yeah none of that stuff matters uh we're just a bunch of grumpy old men who want to complain and then go home that is such a terrible way of trying to grow odd fellowship and I would hope that uh, anyone in one of those lodges, like our theoretical Grumpy Springs, Arkansas, number 38, I would hope that anyone in one of those lodges would stop and say, wait a minute, what can I do? Can I encourage a new member who who knocks on our door and says, hey, come on in, Blaine. We want you to be a member of this lodge. Um, I'm willing to sit down and tell you about Odd Fellowship and we are willing to listen to your ideas and maybe put some of them into practice. If we can do it in a feasible way, I would hope that that those long-term members recognize that what may seem like an annoyance of getting a new member up to speed is actually the gift of the next breath of life that lodge needs.
1: That's a, that's a, yeah, that's exactly the, kind of the crux of the issue and trying to find the way forward for both parties, obviously is the million dollar question with the, you know, we could, we could shove nickel answers all night. And, but what it does come down to is, is just the individuals and the attitudes of the individuals and just really like you have to go in with an open mind yourself and, everybody has to kind of have a little bit of an open mind with a new member because you can't think of a new member immediately suspicious, trying to think that they're just trying to take over and change everything. And you can't think of a new member as, oh, they're just going to go away after one or two meetings. And the new member can't come in and think of the older member, the long-term members as just a bunch of, you know, people out of touch with the times, or they think they know better, but, you know, they don't know me, they don't know young people like I do. So it's, it's both sides need to lay aside their own prejudices about the other side and come together, you know, just like the ritual says, as, you know, brothers and sisters on a equal playing field and work together mutually, you know, bundle your sticks together towards a, a more productive uh, answer.
0: That's right. And you know, what better way to put that teaching of Odd Fellowship into practice than to embrace the challenges and opportunities of having new members join the lodge? Because I guarantee one thing, beyond anything else, every long-term member, everybody who's been a secretary for 20 or more years because no one else wanted to do the job, every one of them was a new Odd Fellow. At some point, and every one of them had people around them who helped them and guided them and showed them how to do Odd Fellowship. I know I was very grateful for the people who showed me in my lodge when I first joined. You know, I had a wonderful lodge full of very active people who did great things, and I got to be a part of that. Uh, You know, the reason that I joined the encampment branch of Odd Fellowship is because after meetings, the senior members of the Lodge, the guys that I looked up to, would get together and have a little discussion of what they were doing at the upcoming encampment meeting. And I said, encampment, you know, that sounds like something I want to do. And in fact, it is something that I did, and I became a a grand patriarch as a result. And having that, that way of interacting with members and being able to move up, Uh, and learn and have that mentorship, that is one of the best things that we have as Odd Fellows. And that is one of those things that I really hope will have a resurgence as we go forward. Totally.
1: And I think, you know, on that point, um, I, I think that definitely, like, people are looking for things right now, especially because... COVID has given everybody a lot of time and space to really think about what they're doing and what they want to get out of, you know, life and social interactions since we've been removed from our socializing. And for m- much of us in big parts of the world for the last year and a half now, um, we're, you know, I I, know, I don't know about you, but like, I'm definitely, definitely ready to get back to doing stuff and i'm sure there's millions of people out there that don't have something to go back to and they're looking for something
0: you know you know how much i am missing interacting with my brothers and sisters and the Oddfellows and rebecca's i am actually really starting to miss going to the northwest odd fellow and rebecca association meetings Because we had them twice a year in fall and spring, and they would rotate between the jurisdictions of British Columbia, Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And so twice a year, the leaders from those jurisdictions would get together, and we would talk about various issues of odd fellowship and how we help out and how we do things. Even though it was a little bit on the fussy side, you know, a little bit more parading of flags and singing of songs that i normally like to do in a weekend i miss it now i especially miss all of the very high-spirited wonderful rebecca's from british columbia because those ladies are a hoot
1: you're 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 missing your wes anderson moments
0: exactly and not just not just that um there's there are so many uh wonderful rebecca's Uh, up in British Columbia, who are just so much fun, you know, vivacious, and they do a lot of stuff, really knowledgeable members. I miss them. They are fun, you know, even though I don't necessarily want to wake up uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning to start a session and, you know, start with a parade of flags and a bunch of tributes and honors and stuff like that. That's a little bit more... um, than what i like to do in that kind of a regional business meeting because i like to give more time to discussing the actual business and sharing information between jurisdictions but i sure miss the socializing i miss those people you know and I have so many friends in the other jurisdictions, you know, I'm always going over and doing things with the odd fellows and Rebecca's in Idaho and attending their sessions and things like that, and going down and doing things in Oregon. I miss that. I miss going to those things and being a part of all of those special things that they do.
1: I, 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 I hear you. I was actually pretty bummed last year when uh, sovereign got canceled and then uh, our grand lodge session got canceled and then this year rolling around we had sovereign and it was you know a little light and our session for grand lodge this year is uh i just uh heard the other day that it's gotten powered down to a sunday opening and then i don't even know if they're doing the officer's banquet now and then it's just monday session so yeah i I'm kind of bummed about it. But so like what we decided to do is like, you know what? I've got my hotel room next day. I'm just going to bring some of my tattoo stuff with me. I'm going to, we're going to have a tattoo party. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. So maybe we'll be starting a new tradition.
0: Now, I, I have to ask, uh, because the trend in Western jurisdictions is Grand Lodge sessions are usually held in some sort of um, uninteresting central location with cheap hotel rooms. Where's the Grand Lodge of Illinois held?
1: We hold it in Springfield, Illinois at the Crown Plaza. It's been there for for a good bit. Um, and uh, the Grand Lodge offices are uh, maybe like an hour, maybe for, from there. Uh, but the grand secretary lives the other side of there anyway, but um, that's neither here nor there, but um, yeah, we don't actually have any lodges in Springfield anymore, but it, that's the center. I mean, it's the state capitals, the center geographical center of the state. So hence, that's why it's traditionally we held it there. And that makes sense.
0: You know, I, I keep joking with uh, Michael Greensiger, the grand master of California, because California holds their sessions in Modesto Uh, which is kind of a dry, dusty farm town in the middle of the state. And we hold our sessions here in Washington in the town of Yakima, which is essentially the same kind of town. It's the dry, dusty agricultural town uh, in the desert. So I, I like to call Modesto the Yakima of California. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, no, our Grand Lodge session is just like, literally like a hotel on the side of the highway that you could see like Interstate 55,
0: and then a Hooters,
1: oh, and it's perfect. on a service
0: road. Yeah, yeah. it's. <laughs> Man, I wish we had a Hooters in Yakima. We could go to after <laughs>
1: sessions. So that's yeah, that's it's it's not the most uh, um, inspiring location, but the fact that it is, you know, like that's you know Springfield's the capital, and they always traditionally held it there at the Capitol building. They would um, use the state Capitol building. To do the session, the Rebecca's would be in the one chamber, and then the odd fellows would be in the other chambers. And uh, they would always take the group uh, picture out front. There's like these distinctive arches and steps that they would do the you know the long panoramic photos that I I've collected a ton of them. And for the hundred or the two hundredth anniversary, we actually did a another panoramic photo there, but it was a much smaller group. But we
0: got to stand on the actual steps and everything, so that's kind of cool. Very nice. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much going to wrap things up for this episode. For our next episode, since uh, I know we've been picking up a lot of uh, new listeners lately and also kind of on the heels of the Odd Fellows primer, which has been a fantastic success. Uh, how Woo-hoo! many copies have been sold now?
1: I will reveal that as part
0: of my Odd Podge. Ooh, good. Ooh. So along with that, we are going to present an episode where we go through and instruct you, our fair listeners, on how to conduct a lodge meeting, because Ooh. there's there's a lot of variation in how it happens, not just within jurisdictions, but from one jurisdiction to the next. And so we're going to go through and uh, share sort of our collected wisdom of how to run a lodge meeting and some of the functions of what we do, why we do it. You know, things like what does the finance committee do and what are they supposed to do? Who is the visiting committee and what are they supposed to do? So we're going to pick apart a lodge meeting and we are going to explain the whole process to all of you, our dear listeners, on our next episode. And since you mentioned it, the odd podge. I will go first. Okay, Um, I want to I'm going to talk about Idaho again uh, because, you know, I was there this summer for the museum dedication and also I have a lot of good friends over there. A brother, Stephen Mann, who is a past Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Idaho, uh, something that he said on the Odd Fellows Discord server. He told me that uh, Presley Horn, who was uh, the Grand Secretary of Idaho for many years, and he was the brother behind the Idaho Oddfellows Museum, he had written a book called The Beautiful Things in Life. And I thought, well, this seems interesting. And so I looked it up on the internet, happened to find a used bookseller uh, out on the Washington coast who had a copy of this. And so I ordered it. You know, it was like 25 bucks, a very reasonable price. And I got this wonderful book that was published by the press of the Idaho Oddfellow in Caldwell, Idaho, uh, hmm. 1952. It's volume three of beautiful things in life. And it's a collection of stories about ways in which Oddfellowship has benefited humanity. Oh, it's, wow! It's really cool. And this book is still very much original because not all of the pages have been cut apart. So they print the big sheets and, you know, fold it and cut it and everything. Not all of these pages are cut apart. So I get to take my uh, envelope opener and go through and slice all the pages apart so I can read it. Uh, But what I've read of it so far has been really, really wonderful and very inspiring. Uh, So my odd podge is uh, sharing about this great book, The Beautiful Things in Life by Brother Presley Horn, past Grand Secretary of Idaho.
1: I love how it's almost like a pistachio nut book. It's like you have to open it a little bit at a time and you have to do a little bit of work to open it, but it makes you enjoy it that much more. Yeah. That sounds like a really interesting book. You'll have to, if there's like any good nuggets from it, you'll have to share those with us. Oh, definitely. I definitely will. Wonderful. And speaking of books about Odd Fellowship. Yes. So um, definitely very happy to say that uh, the Odd Fellows Primer has has blown away my expectations of what the response would be. Uh, Our goal was to sell a thousand in the year and we already well blew past that. And uh, we're closing in on 1100 book sales. So probably next week we'll probably smash past 1100. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I'm just amazed that the, the amount of people who've been able to pick up a copy and send feedback already you know, we've, we've already started getting feedback from people who've read it and really enjoying it and enjoying the artwork. And then, you know, we've had a number of people that bought it just to kind of check it out. And then they're like, oh, I'm buying 10 copies for my lodge now. So that's that's a really, really gratifying bit of feedback that they, you know, like I, they were like, I'm just gonna check it out first. And then they're like, okay, this is good. Now I'm gonna buy it in bulk. So that's 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 definitely, that's, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm thrilled.
0: And you know what? bravo to brother Michael Greenzeiger for all of the work. I mean, literally years of work that he put in, yes. all the research, putting it together, compiling it, doing all the work. And bravo to you, too, brother. I mean, you. you are quite the talented artist. And this book is a fantastic showcase of your talents as an illustrator. And I've already started thinking of
1: ideas for the you know stuff I want to add for the second edition. And so I, I didn't think I would already start getting ideas so quick. And once I wrapped this up, I thought I'd kind of be done with it for a while and not want to look at it. But I guess I got a little motivated by the, the super uh, great response and kind of got me hungry to start kind of thinking ahead.
0: Well, I think we're definitely going through a renaissance in books and other materials for Odd Fellowship. Uh, I know a lot of really great books have been written and published and are available now uh, about Odd Fellowship and various aspects of it. its history and traditions and things like that. And this book is such a fantastic contribution to that. Uh, I know my associate lodge ordered 20 books and My home lodge ordered, I think 10 books and everybody who's got the books and looked at them just absolutely loves them. So awesome! thank you so much to you for your work and to brother Michael Greenziger for his work. And if you are listening out there and you have had one of these experiences where you went to join a lodge and you found out that it was a bunch of grumpy guys sitting around the kitchen table, email us and tell us about your experiences and if you are able to turn that into something positive, because um, we are always interested in hearing from you, you can look up our website at com. That is with the word three written out. Or you can email us at threelinksodcast with the number three at gmail.com. So definitely look us up, share your stories, Tell us about what's going on with you out there in the great world of Odd Fellowship.
1: Or if you're just looking for a little bit of friendly advice from uh, one member to another about a lodge situation, we, we get a lot of messages that way too. just people looking, you know, they have a specific issue that they don't know how to maybe the best way to handle it the most, pr- you know, pragmatic way. And we've been able to, you know, kind of dear Abby a little bit and help, you know, some members out that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are here for you, the listeners. If there's something we can help you with, uh, just shoot us an email. You can also get a hold of us uh, through our Instagram, Facebook, uh, through our website. Um, Email is probably the easiest thing because we all get a chance to see that and take a look at it. So anything else you got to tack on to the end of this episode here, Brother Ainsley?
1: I think we've covered a lot of ground tonight.
0: Excellent. Well, be sure and let everybody in your lodge know that our next episode is going to be your guide to how to run a lodge meeting. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.